0: It was kind of creepy as, we, as I approached the mall this morning. I noticed a significant darkness. The mall basically shrouded in darkness other than the occasional street light that's turned on. But yeah, everything's black. There's always the external lights on the mall. But uh, yeah, it kind of felt like I was entering some sort of post-apocalyptic war zone.
1: We are literally in the middle of an evacuation zone. Yeah you know, and uh, Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you. Happy Friday. Uh, Since about six o'clock yesterday, the area bracketed by St. James Street, Empress Street, Maroon's Road, just to the north of us uh, to St. Matthews has been under a sort of a mandatory evacuation. Uh, We are on generator power right now. So we will be with you. Uh, We anticipate we'll be able to, Continue, regularly scheduled program. We've done so throughout the night and yesterday evening. Uh, but if something happens, uh, we go silent for a little bit. It's either because we're kicking back to regular power or our generator power has been cut off somehow. So just to give you a heads up on that.
0: There w- And I was here yesterday afternoon to uh, record the couch potatoes. And there was a moment where the little studio I was in, where the light turned off. And I thought, oh, I guess that's it for that bulb. The last working bulb in that little room that I work in. And then I stood up and looked out and all of the lights were out. But the computers stayed on somehow. So I'm not entirely sure how that worked. I should have asked our engineer, John Wall, who, by the way, stayed here overnight to ensure that the station stayed on and that we could get into the building this morning. So, oh my God, thank you very much, John
1: Wall. 100%. There are a lot of people that work behind the scenes at every business and every enterprise that don't get the accolades that they deserve. Uh, John Wall is one of those people here at 680 CGOB at Chorus Radio Winnipeg who goes above and beyond all the time. We seldom... Herald him on the air and and, and his crew, Sarah and Mike, uh, they do so many things for us behind the scenes, but uh, absolutely uh, mandatory that we acknowledge John uh, this morning for his uh, his work, ethic and his desire, his ability, his his need almost to go above and beyond. Uh, he's a special man.
0: So I approached the, this area from the south. I come up Academy, and then I hang a right onto the St. James Bridge. I could smell the gas the second I was on the bridge. How, where did you first notice the gas? As
1: soon as I got under the Empress Street underpass on Portage Avenue, just right in front of the Clarion Hotel, which is also dark uh, right now. They're running on limited power, as we understand it. I could smell it right away. And uh, you know me well enough by now, Brett, to know that I've got an incredibly sensitive uh, sense of smell, and it, it hit me quite hard. And you could not turn on to Empress. There's police tape across... <laughs> It's a good thing you're I was paying attention because normally I would go that way and, well, police tape at 3 o'clock in the morning isn't exactly super visible, but I did notice it and did notice that Polo Park was shrouded in complete darkness, with, which, as you mentioned, is not usual at all because it's sort of a beacon in this area. All the All the different lights in the parking lot, Polo Park is lit up all through the night. On in the parking lot side, so it is a little bit strange to be in the middle of this.
0: Yeah, and even the the, the parking like the, the parking deck sort of beside, just north of Hudson's Bay, where there's the the there's the main level parking, and then there's an upper deck as well. Um, and uh, it's completely darkness. I normally I, I like to park under there, sort of close to the movie theater, but not today. it was kind of creepy, so parked out in the open. Uh, but I, I printed off a web some from a website called Toxtown. I was actually amused to learn that there's a website called Toxtown T-O-X. and uh, I just typed in, is it unhealthy to breathe in natural gas?
1: <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> and?
0: and it says there's a there's a subcategory here. How can natural gas affect my health? Exposure to extremely high levels of natural gas can cause loss of consciousness or even death. Have you felt woozy at all today? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a scratchy throat. If a natural gas leak has occurred and is severe, oxygen can be reduced, causing dizziness, fatigue, nausea, headache, and irregular breathing. Exposure to low levels of natural gas is not harmful to your health. Okay.
1: I don't know who determines that. I'm sure there's some sort of meter. Well, if you pass out, I
0: guess, or if one of us passes out, then I suppose we have not been exposed to low levels of natural gas.
1: We've, we've transitioned from low to higher levels of natural gas. Anyway, we understand that there are power outages uh, sporadically uh, around uh, St. James and the West End, getting text messages about a variety of different uh, areas uh, in our neighborhood where there are no streetlights and, uh, and limited power as well. So uh, share with us your uh, where you are and what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, great... Email here. Great segue, David. You can come right for us. From a whiteout to a blackout, Winnipeg is unique. Go Jets, go.
0: Nice. And we're also getting a text message here. Uh, I'm just refreshing my screen to make sure that it's the most up-to-date information. Uh, But it just simply says, uh, if you have a laptop, the laptop has its own Battery power. Oh, which will okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, yes. I saw the second yes, half of the text that right. said, "Regular power is restored." <laughs> I thought, right. "Oh, is this a power a hydro update from one of our lists? No, it's, they're just saying if you have a laptop, use the laptop yeah. until you. We
1: have yeah. about what no less than 40 computers in our. In our uh, radio station, depending on, yeah, I would say if you add up sales side and our newsroom and a variety of different other places, studios, etc., we got to be close to 40. Oh, at least. Yeah, and all our computers are working. Hey, um, do you remember this from May 6th, 1995? The immortal words of Eddie Olchuk. At the Winnipeg Jets farewell, that ended up being kind of a bridge to a goodbye because the Jets ended up playing one more season in Winnipeg after that. Eddie Olchuk was a member of the Winnipeg Jets twice. He will join us after 9 o'clock this morning. He's, He's battled cancer successfully in the last year or so. We will visit with Eddie O, get his take, his memories of the whiteout, and see how far he sees the Winnipeg Jets going in this playoff season. There is a blizzard warning for South Dakota, most of Nebraska, and eastern Minnesota heading into the next couple of days. There's also a winter storm warning dead on the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Lots of Winnipegers, I imagine, contemplating, if not have plans, concrete plans, to head down to the Twin Cities either for the game Sunday and or the game Tuesday, games three and four in that Jets wild playoff series. So you will want to be checking the weather. In fact, I'm on weather.com right now and I'm quoting the National Weather Service in the Twin Cities and they said in a tweet, this may be... A, quote, historic storm if the current forecast pans out. Wow. So, heads up, if you're heading to St. Paul, uh, the Twin Cities, anywhere in Minnesota over the weekend.
0: Well, Frankie McDonald, YouTube weather forecaster extraordinaire. Where is he from? Nova Scotia? I believe he's from Nova Scotia, yes. He posted a video. You found this on, was it Tuesday? Yeah, April 10th. He posted a video on Tuesday, major winter storm to hit Minnesota on Saturday, April 14th, where he uh, predicted the storm and advised people in Minnesota, be prepared uh, to have your winter boots and jackets and hats and gloves and order your pizzas and Chinese food and buy cases of Pepsi and Coke. And, uh, you know, I think at first we kind of wondered, was he just... Was he in on the joke, suggesting that the Winnipeg Jets are coming and bringing a whiteout with them? Well, no, he meant a literal storm. It's coming.
1: It is coming, and apparently this storm is also going to, as it moves east, uh, play some nasty tricks on southern Ontario with potential uh, freezing rain all the way to New England. There are weather warnings all across the northern part of the United States uh, starting uh, yesterday straight through over the next three or four days. Meanwhile, if you are on this list, the weight can be exhaustive,
0: and it is growing in our province. The weight for a knee or hip replacement. Global News reporter Diana Foxall explains.
2: The Canadian Institute for Health Information released its latest update on wait times for certain procedures. And in Manitoba, the prognosis is grim. Last year, 53% of hip replacements were completed in the benchmark 182-day time frame. That's down from 69% of surgeries two years prior. For knee replacements, just 43% of surgeries were done on time in 2017, down nearly 20% from 2015. But it's not all bad news, says Kaihai's Jennifer Da Silva.
3: When we look at hip fracture repair and radiation therapy, what we see is that Manitoba stayed the same. 93% of patients in Manitoba get their hip fracture repaired within the 48 hours, and that's compared to an 87% average nationally.
2: And all Manitoba patients requiring radiation for cancer were treated in an adequate time frame. Dr. Jack McPherson, co-chair of the WRHA's Wait Times Reduction Task Force, says an aging population is likely helping slow down wait times.
4: Demand for certain procedures, hips, knees and cataracts in particular, uh, is uh, growing uh, greater than our ability to supply those that uh, is currently.
2: And Provincial Health Minister Kelvin Gertson agrees, noting Manitoba isn't alone in seeing longer wait times for procedures. Every province faces an aging uh, demographic, which can result in more hip and knee replacements. And so uh, that's part of what the wait times task force was
1: aimed at addressing.
2: Minister Gertson says there are several new procedural practices in place he expects will help speed up wait times.
1: Thank you, Diana. Diana Foxall with uh, that uh, Canadian Institute for Health Information report on wait times that I think, no matter what changes are made to the healthcare system, there are going to be increasing uh, wait times for cataract, for knee replacement, all these different surgeries. My opinion only. Are populate. Look, this is fact. Our population is getting older. And so as these procedures become more commonplace, easier to do, there are going to be more people who are eligible for these procedures and thusly the wait times will continue to grow. It's a a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain extent. So uh, I don't think there's any magic wand to fix that. I know we don't have this on the list of things to talk about this morning, but have you heard about this Plan by Second Cup to change some of its coffee shops into pot dispensaries?
5: Second Cup, first tote.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Kelly Moore. It might be maybe first in line when the, the, those things uh, come uh, to fruition. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that story. I think it's uh, very...
6: Yeah, and I actually had reached out to Second Cup to talk yeah. about this, but unfortunately, they told me they did not have anyone who was able to talk to us at They this don't time. get up
1: this early.
5: Yeah, they're chilling. <laughs> they're chilling out, man. They're still the drive through, you're trying gonna to add brownies to the list, maybe. And I, oh, very good, yeah. very good.
1: Maybe I'll start trying the brownies now. You never know, they might be doing some secret work in the uh, bakery, just trying to see how things uh flush out. If you're looking for a drive through, looking for breakfast, you might be able to come to Polar Park sooner than we may have anticipated. We are in the middle of. A little bit of a blackout and a, and a mandatory evacuation just to the north of us here at Polo Park. Greg Macklin, Brett McGarry, Shanley Vidal, Kelly Moore, Jeff Braun, and the omnipresent behind the glass, Jerry. A natural gas leak yesterday afternoon forced the evacuation of all the businesses around us. Polo Park was closed down. When did they close Polo Park? Uh, that was uh, right around
4: 7 o'clock, I yeah, think. I think so. so I, yeah. I left here about 7 and they were closing down the Bed Bath and & Beyond and the Marks and the Marshalls building at that time. Right. Yeah.
1: So this is a, like a planned outage though, right? Because of the natural gas, they don't want the electricity on.
5: So the thus the thus the power outage, uh, it's kind of a forced power outage. Yeah, and this actually started probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think that was when the first uh, report started to come in. I know Hal on his show had mentioned people were uh, talking about it. Uh, I left and got to uh, Milt Stegall Drive in St. Matthews I don't know what time it was, sometime between 4 and 4.30. And the smell of natural gas was just about knocking you out. So pulled over, talked to some of the firefighters, got some details, and hopped on with Rich and Julie. And uh, because of that time, they had closed off St. Matthews between Steagle Drive and then the tracks just on the east side of Empress there. And I'll tell you, guys, the traffic jams already at, I guess it was about four thirty by then. Mm-hmm. You know, on Ellis and all the feeders coming into that area, it was mayhem. Yeah,
0: <laughs> just the traffic trying to get out of here when they <laughs> evac the mall. Right. Uh, yeah. That was a mess. But it was interesting because when I left. Uh, about 7:30, the parking lot was mostly a ghost town. Going getting out to go south was piece of cake, but I uh, can't imagine what it would be like trying to go north because all of the uh, all the ways out were blocked. Yeah, so yeah. that would have been fun.
6: And this morning, uh, coming in you know, just before 4 a.m., everything was fine until I got to St. James and Silver, and then it's pitch black. And as I'm I'm driving straight on Silver to go past the theater, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm just about to enter that lane and it's it's taped off. I realize I can't enter, so I have to scoot into the other lane and go the op- in the, op- where, the tra- where the opposite traffic goes, and as I'm approaching it, it's it was eerie like a zombie <laughs> apocalypse. I was just waiting for some Walking Dead to. To come by.
1: Well, we were fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we were fortunate here because Manitoba Hydro came to inspect. They had to kind of give us the appropriate permission to have our generator going, right? Right. Because well. obviously there's spark involved there, etc. So they deemed it safe for us to keep running so uh, thank goodness for that uh, but it's got us wondering you know do you have a backup plan if if you're out of power or some other sort no. of essential yeah i think i no. think it's a short conversation for most of us right jeff like at home
4: yes yeah yeah no i have a backup plan there are three things and i know exactly where they are okay. they are a flashlight candles and matches to light those candles Wow, look at you. I could find them oh, in the... Oh, well, I have that. They stay in the same spot in my house. I could find them in the pitch black if I have to and uh, get things going. Ooh. Who doesn't have a plan like that? Come on. Of that, all the people. That is the most basic, easy piece of personal safety you could possibly do. Yeah,
0: Pitch Black is a t- movie starring Vin Diesel, by the yeah, way. Yeah, have yeah. you watched
4: it? No, it's too scary. Because now... It, <laughs> 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 light my candles and watch the in diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I also always always keep a uh, computer charged up so I can try and get some internet keep the phone charged too. So.
0: Yeah, because that's an interesting wow. thing now with smartphones they <laughs> they burn through so much juice. Uh, my phone will lose 40 percent of its power just sitting there uh so i almost have to always keep it charged yeah i have to charge it i think almost three times a day yeah. if i wanted to stay close to full power
4: and the thing is during the power outage that you don't waste your phone's battery playing your stupid little games on it because <laughs> you never know when you'll need it as an actual phone or at least you know for twitter or something to try and get an update on
5: something what about watching movies yeah don't do it okay Oh I, f- oh I can't f-
1: believe Jeff Braun is the voice of reason amongst this group. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm shocked. <laughs> I know, it's,
6: it's, it's horrifying to think that we might have to entertain ourselves with our own brains. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a scary thought. Uh,
0: a couple of text messages here worth pointing out. Scott says this particular blackout uh, is one that you can't. Uh, use a generator, or can't always use a generator. The electricity is turned off to prevent accidental ignition of the natural gas. That's why they they turned off the power. There's a substation nearby, and they were scared that the gas would spark a serious explosion. Uh, And that's why they also evacuated the area for safety. And then Bear reminded us as well that natural gas is actually odorless. The rotten egg smell is an additive so that if there oh, is okay. a release or a leak, then you can identify it.
1: That's a, a Ross Geller nugget yeah, of right. information from friends that he tried <laughs> well, to use to. a woman with yeah. his knowledge. I think it was at the pizza at the pizza place. He was trying to uh, to uh, <clears throat> initiate and some sort of conversation. he
4: asked the follow up, Ross. What else do they add smell to? <laughs>
1: Well, this is always great when you're you're scrolling through your timeline at home and it says Pola Park area. I think I'm going there later on this morning. Evacuated due to risk of severe
5: explosion. And nothing like going right to ground zero, Kelly. Yeah, And and it's kind of interesting. We all look at this from our own perspectives, but I talked to a gentleman from the Clarion Hotel earlier on this morning and, you know, they have all of their guests no power, no hot water. You know, there's no way. They, when they want to check out, they can't check out because they don't have the ability to know what their bill is. So, you know, when you talk about uh, our reliance on the grid. Oh, yes. You know, I always just say, ah oh, man, I want to, you know, maybe I'm ready to go off the grid. Not a hope. <laughs> <you know what. laughs> I can see you in a
0: log cabin somewhere in uh, British Columbia yeah. Forest. Yeah. yeah,
5: I can see it. Uh, I can well, see it. How would I watch hockey, though? Okay, so much for that idea. Shannon, we uh, we got about a
0: minute left here. There were a couple of times where you tried to jump back in. Uh, Did you have any closing thoughts before we wrap this up?
6: Well, all of this talk about apocalypse and zombies makes me think that I got to get on that bomb shelter building of course not gonna tell anyone where it's located oh yes
1: you just exactly. have to be able to get there well
6: the thing is you tell people where 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 your bomb no, shelters can't. no no then then they want to they want to come in and, and so my plan is for survival don't tell anyone what you have
0: well yeah that's that's a great point because I, one of my friends has he's uh, into guns he likes to take his guns to a firing range so where do you think I'm going in the event of an apocalypse to the friend with all the guns <laughs> <laughs>
4: so yeah
6: I Going to the friend with all the food.
4: Yeah, I run straight into the horde of zombies, just get it over
5: (laughs) (laughs) with. I'm going to second cup.
0: (laughs) The sounds of Jason Voorhees, the main character in a series of horror films that relate to today's date, which is April 13, which happens to be a Friday. I'm not gonna say it. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. Greg's superstitious, but I think you can put put it together. And uh, we, hey, we've had some good luck here just in the last few moments. Well, it's not luck. It's due to the hard work of Manitoba Hydro. But our power briefly flashed, which meant that it kicked back in. We're now off generator. We're back on the grid. And they uh, just tweeted that power is restored to the uh, Empress St. Matthew's outage, except for Home Depot, former Target, and Toys R Us. This is to ensure safety while crews continue to
1: monitor gas levels. Very nice. That's good. It's good to be back. Good be back with you amongst the uh, those of uh, the uh, electrical. Uh, consuming public, how's that? Uh, Just about uh, lost my train of thought there. Hydro crews were uh, first alerted to this problem around 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. They found a high reading for natural gas at the busy intersection of Empress and St. Matthews. The decision was made to evacuate the area due to a high safety risk. And as I mentioned in uh, our having coffee talking conversation. I read the headline at about 2.30 this morning, Polar Park area evacuated due to risk of Severe explosion, only to realize, oh, hey, wait a minute, that's where I'm going to work. (laughs) Global news reporter, uh, our good friend Tristan Field-Jones was here at our 680 CGOB newsroom very late into the day. And and Tristan, uh, thanks for all your hard work yesterday. Uh, When did you realize things were going a little bit sideways in our building?
7: Uh well I think I realized uh, that uh, Greg and Brett uh, when uh, Clay Young our uh, evening news anchor there uh told me that uh, he was willing to go down with the ship and I told him that as being a member of the health and safety committee I don't really want to deal with that kind of paperwork so uh I told him point <laughs> blank is that if we have to uh, uh if we have to evacuate when they tell us to come in here we will uh it, it was it was it was quite a scene yesterday it really was we uh it, what started off as basically that small intersection of St. Matthews and Empress, that um, that evacuation zone kept getting bigger and bigger. And and it's, it's one of these things where I think it was the Toys R Us that was first evacuated. Then it was a few more buildings. And then suddenly it started being block after block. And kind of like a wave, you could see the emergency crews getting closer and closer. And before you knew it, uh, the Bed Bath and Beyond and the marks are right across the street from our studios. We saw... Uh, emergency crews there we saw police there and uh they uh you tell they were getting people out of there so at you know at that point we're thinking well we've got to be next i mean when when your uh, evacuation zone goes all the way to maroon's road which is just a block away uh and when it comes to a situation like this you know put two and two together and you you, you kind of figure out what's going on
0: so the the fact that uh, the mall was evacuated, there was a rather significant traffic event after that then, right? Because you suddenly had all those people having to get out of the area.
7: Yeah, I mean, there was uh, through our parking lot, it looked like uh, Black Friday. There were so many cars that were jammed in there. I mean, Polo Park is busy almost any time of day. Uh, and it was especially busy uh, just in front of the movie theater there because, uh, you know, people stay there till midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., right? So, yeah. And then, and then it, was, it was really eerie because the moment that the cars basically left, then there was nobody around. And, and, and that was a surreal experience.
1: I'm looking at some of your pictures from Twitter here, Tristan, and it is surreal to see Polo Park in complete darkness. And the sun is still up. The sun is setting, but you can still see daylight. Uh, and the contrast against the the completely dark Polo Park and our building, it is incredibly eerie to take a look at these pictures.
7: Oh, it, it is. And, and it's funny that you play uh, Friday the 13th there because it, there were times, uh, and especially when the, when it was – The Sun had set where it was the set of a horror movie. Um, Picture this, and and for our our listeners out there, we have a small uh, lobby area, if you will, before you head up a set of stairs to go to our reception. Uh, Now, we were lucky because we were the only building with lights on for blocks. I mean, there was nothing, no traffic signals, no street lights. None of the storefronts were lit. None of the, the the overhead lights or the parking lots were on. There were no people, nothing, nothing at all. Uh, and uh, when I went to go out to take some of those pictures, I go down the set of stairs and it's, it's lit on the second floor. But the moment you go down, it's basically pitch black in there. And I open that door. We have two doors to kind of get in. Uh, and there's an elevator shaft there, and what happens is uh the only thing I hear is there was a bit of a breeze from the north. The only thing I hear is that kind of breeze sort of seeping through the elevator shaft, and nothing else and it's pitch black uh so uh yeah, it was creepy at times when I got into my car after uh leaving uh it, it you know there was the only light I had was basically my my phone. Uh, and you know, I, I, I had to watch myself. So I'm like, you know, if somebody takes advantage of the situation. I'm never going to see them. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was genuinely creepy. What time were you here until? Uh, well, I had to stay a little bit, uh, I had to stay a little bit, uh, later because, uh, kind of out of force of habit, uh, our, our Clay Young locked himself out of the, out of the building, <laughs> because our 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 locks our what happens is our indoor locks work but because the power was out uh the outdoor kind of swipe uh, uh, swipe cards though those weren't working anymore so you know it's almost uh 10:30 and uh, we're wondering like where our intrepid news anchor is and then we're thinking to ourselves oh crap he probably got locked out because you know he wasn't he wasn't thinking turns out he used a cell phone to prop the door open so when we tried calling him he, you know, he, did, he, hadn't, he didn't have it with him. So, anyway, was, yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and the, the the cherry on the cake, if you will, is that the door that he propped open was an interior door, and those were working fine. So he didn't even need to use his <laughs> cell phone to prop
1: it open. So he propped open the wrong door with the yeah, device he that he needed in order to uh, get back in the building being his phone. Yeah.
8: So it yeah, was on yeah, an yeah. island.
1: Great. Outstanding. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll have at least one more thing to bug Clay Young about over the next few days. That's that's for sure. Hey, Tristan, thanks for your hard work on this, not only keeping uh, listeners up to date and folks on web up to date, but also uh, that hard work is finally paying off all those safety committee meetings have, uh, have finally uh, resulted in some tangible benefits for the rest of us. We appreciate it.
7: Yeah, and, and I have to give huge credit to our John Wall, too. He's our chief engineer, and I know Mike Iason as well, another one of our engineers. Uh, I mean, uh, both of them, they came in there, and, and John Wall was on the phone with Manitoba Hydro the whole time, kind of figuring out, you know, if they do cut the gas, because that's what our backup generator runs on, that means we're completely in the dark. So he was figuring out if that would happen and what the contingency plan would be. And unfortunately, it never came to that. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of people had to stay late last night.
0: Tristan Field-Jones, thank you very much, sir. Global News anchor Tristan Field-Jones telling us about the gas leak and hydro situation last night.
1: bagpipes are better than the recorder. I don't know how you managed to pull that one off, Jerry. i do what I can. Practice, (laughs) practice, practice. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry, and behind the glass, Jerry, this week on the bagpipes, bringing us into the couch potatoes. CJB's Brett McGarry has all the details of a busy weekend at the movies. Let's go save the world. New in theatres this week, yet another
0: movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You can't
1: stop, can't stop, The Rock.
0: No, you can't. In the last year, he has starred in The Fate of the Furious, Baywatch, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, and now a movie based on a video game, Rampage. That's what the game sounded like. First released in 1986, it's about a giant gorilla, giant lizard, and a giant werewolf made gigantic by an experimental vitamin, a radioactive lake, and a food additive. You played the game as the monsters, and your mission was to destroy buildings before the military could bring you down. It was simple and smashy and satisfying. And now, it's a movie.
5: All right, George, we got to stop these things before they destroy the city.
9: What could possibly go wrong?
0: Of course, the wolf flies. Doesn't look like a very good movie, but it looks fun.
9: You
4: mess with my friend, you mess with me! That went way better than I thought it would.
0: Four other films to tell you about here. Next up, something for fans of scary movies, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare.
2: Playing the game. It's playing us. So what do we do?
7: Only choose Truth. truth
9: Marky's constantly cheating on Lucas.
8: Lucas, wait. I'm sorry. Touch me again and I'll break that hand.
0: Like many scary movies, Truth or Dare stars a bunch of attractive, mostly no-name young people who all die horrible deaths. Next up, a movie starring Mad Men's John Ham. It's called Beirut.
7: Maybe one of you can tell me what I'm doing here. Critics are calling Beirut an intelligent thriller.
0: Cal, the head of all Mideast operations,
7: was taken hostage. They want you to broker the deal. It's purely entertaining and we'll have you on the edge of your seat. Four stars, John Hamm, has fully arrived on the big screen. I need
0: to see Cal. It's impossible. It's only impossible if he's dead. Beirut is an espionage thriller set in 1982 in the Lebanese Civil War. Hamm plays a former U.S. diplomat who goes back into the fray to save a colleague from the group responsible for killing his family. Also, this week we have two movies about dogs, starting with Sergeant Stubby, an American hero.
1: The dog is trying to warn us!
4: Stubby!
9: Get down!
3: I wish I had half his garbage.
0: It's a cartoon based on the true story of Sergeant Stubby, a dog who was a World War I hero with the U.S. Army. He saved his regiment from surprise mustard gas attacks, found and comforted the wounded, and once caught a German soldier by the seat of his pants, holding him there until American soldiers found him. And finally, expanding wide this weekend, a movie that is also animated from director Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs.
4: From the imagination of Wes Anderson, Isle
0: of Dogs is a cinematic delight. Yes. Wow. All a movie lover could ask for. It's the canine version of the cat's meow. Huh? And possibly Wes Anderson's greatest film. All in favor, say aye.
6: aye.
0: Aye. I love dogs. If you say it quickly, it sounds like I love dogs. It's getting great reviews. So just looking at Rotten Tomatoes right now, I love dogs at 92%. Rampage, 54 Bloomhouse's Truth or Dare, eighteen percent. That uh, you could see that coming if you have seen any of the commercials. It looks like silly, scary, fun. Beirut, seventy-seven percent, and Star- Sergeant Stubby, an American hero, eighty-five percent.
1: Is that animated?
0: Yeah, it is an animated movie, but it's based on a true story of a real uh, American hero dog. So, oh,
1: that's pretty Sergeant cool. Stubby's a dog. Yeah. Okay,
10: cool.
0: Yeah, he's a dog, and uh, he uh, he helped the crew in World War One. He's helped save some of them from mustard gas attacks. Uh, he would stay with the wounded. Yeah, he's a cool, this a cool story. You know, Jeff uh, did this movie in our April movie preview last week, and he just thought it was a cute story at first, and then he realized, oh, wait a second, this, is, I, this actually happened. So that's pretty cool that he's now
1: been immortalized in the form of an animated film. Fantastic. So Sergeant Stubby, Wasn't in the police force. He was a member of the military. Yeah, I'm guessing the British or the American military. It was American
0: military. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that sounds fascinating. I'm glad Beirut is getting uh, good ratings on Rotten Tomatoes because it's a, a movie I'm considering investing some time in and spending it in a theater to watch it as opposed to waiting for it to come out either on DVD or on pay per view. You like the John Hamm. The hammer? I like the story because uh, uh, and I'm, when I say like the story, I like the idea of learning more about the story because I absolutely remember this as a kid and I'm very much into uh, history and getting more information about things that have happened in the past, in particular uh, things that I remember versus just have read about. I very much remember this being on the on the news for weeks and weeks. Uh, it was... Um, wasn't it almost three weeks that that uh, plane was on the ground in Beirut? I'd have to check. I'd have to check the uh, history files. I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I can remember uh, multiple days. If it wasn't multiple weeks of coverage on this, and just before we introduce our next <laughs> guest here. Uh, Greg. I highlighted why I'm not one of the couch potatoes, honorary or otherwise. Oh,
0: well, hey, listen, it's an honest mistake. Uh, Bay, We were talking about the movie Beirut starring yes. John Hamm, which is open this weekend, and Greg got it mixed up with another recent, very recent film <laughs> called with, Seven Days in Entebbe.
1: Which says right in the t- title how long the plane was on the tarmac. <laughs> so, you know, nothing like, mi- m- you know, mixing up historical facts and movies and whatnot. So if I threw you for a loop, I apologize.
0: But it is Beirut. Is set in the Lebanese civil war in the
1: 1980s. Yeah, and I absolutely get that now. And you know what? I just, I just need to sit back and watch you work sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, I apologize for any confusion I may have caused, and uh, I'll go back into uh, my sports mode and just <laughs> forget about movies altogether, Brett. And then I'll ask you, what's a hockey puck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll ask. How does it work? Yeah, you, you, you know more. Anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, this is uh, going to be a great conversation. We love to celebrate the compliment, accomplishments of, of business, entrepreneurship, and young people on this program and at 680 CGOB in the Manitoba Teachers Society. It's honoring students for courage, compassion, and humility. Last night, the 21st Annual MTS Young Humanitarian Award saw 27 public school students from school divisions in Winnipeg, Brandon, Thompson, and Evergreen take the spotlight.
0: One of those students who received an award last night is here in studio. Haley Jenkins, who lives in Thompson, has put in countless hours of service to humanitarian causes. And in fact, Haley, uh, first of all, good morning and welcome. Hi. So the, the news release that we got from the Teacher Society describes... You as a whirlwind of humanitarian activity. Mm. Would you call that accurate?
9: Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: what is it that you do?
9: Um, I'm the president of H3 Hands Heart Hope, a social justice group at the at Artie Parker Collegiate in Thompson. I'm also a member of SOS, Students Offering Support, um, which is a group that raises awareness about mental health and um and mental illness. And I'm also I volunteer and work at the Thompson Humane Society, and I volunteer with animal protection, and I also volunteer as a ski patrol.
0: Where do you, so, where do you find time to do school?
9: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very stuff. busy, but I enjoy doing it. So it's easier to find time for things you enjoy to do.
1: Haley, mm-hmm. that's an impressive list of of organizations that not only have you started and and organized yourself, but that are that you're involved in. What drew you to this whole idea of making a difference outside your your own four walls, so to speak?
9: Um, well, I've always had a passion for animals, and I've always um, worked with animals. So um, when I started volunteering at the Thompson Humane Society, I just really enjoyed being able to help animals. And it just it's a good feeling to be able to help animals and people. Um, I just really enjoy it, and it's... It's good to make positive change in your community and around the world.
0: You mentioned you're, one of the groups that you're a part of is a social justice yeah. group. Those words, social justice, often have a negative connotation, right? You hear the term social justice warrior. I like to say social justice avenger, just because I like the Avengers and I'm a huge nerd. Um, but so do people ever criticize you for, for being an advocate for social justice? Like, do you ever get people who push back?
9: Um, no, never. I find everyone is really supportive and proud of what I do and what all the students in our group do.
1: Good. Yeah, you know, this generation has come under a lot of fire. I think it happens every generation, older generation has a negative view. And of course, it's a generalization of the next generation coming up. I am so heartened myself. By the next generation, your generation and the work that they're doing. I know there are social justice clubs at just about every school at every level from elementary all the way to high school, getting young people involved, getting them aware of what's going on around the world. So I have a huge amount of hope and belief in the next generation, this generation of young people coming through the the school system right now. You're not only working to make things better in your own community. What's happening in Ghana and Sierra Leone?
9: Um, So, H3, every year we choose a country to focus on, um, through me to we So we've raised um, money to build schools in Sierra Leone and Ghana. Um, And we, like, as youth, we believe in supporting youth So that's one reason we choose schools to build. We've also um, built wells in Haiti. Last year we did because um, they have a lack of clean water. And we like to also we do something called We Create Change where we collect change to buy goats Um, And what a goat does, it's sustainable development for a family in Sierra Leone, Ghana, Haiti. And they're able to, using these goats or chicks, that they're called farm bundles. um, They're able to produce more animals and sell them or produce milk and cheese and sell them. And they're able um, to thrive off of this one animal.
0: So one of the busy things, or one of the things that you do in your busy life, you mentioned, uh, was it ski patrol? Yeah. That was part of the the winter games that were happening Mm -hmm. up in Thompson, right? Tell us about that
9: experience. Um, It was really fun. This year was my first year as Ski Patrol, so it was interesting to see all the really good skiers. Um, And to just learn more about ski patrol and have more first aid experience.
1: So do you have siblings? or Are you, uh, are you an, uh, uh, a singleton?
9: I have a younger sister.
1: Yeah, is she active this way as well?
9: Yeah, she's active. Um, she just went door-to-door raising money for the shelter animals as well, which was really nice
1: outstanding yeah. it was really uh, amazing w- w- when you sit back and look at this and so there were 26 other people who were honored as well were you inspired by being at this ceremony last night and did you get some other ideas of of how you might be able to fracture your time
9: yeah it was more? really cool like these all the I was the oldest student, so all of these other students were um, younger. And like one of the girls, she's I think eleven, and she wrote her own book. And the other boy, he's fourteen, and he um, like was has raised like sixteen thousand dollars for the animal shelter. So it's just really inspiring to be able to see all these young children being able to do such amazing things as well.
0: So when you're finished in school, uh, like what what's next after high school? I guess.
9: Um, I'm coming to the University of Manitoba to do a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture. And
0: then, what mm-hmm. do you want to do with that?
9: Um, I eventually I want to become a veterinarian.
1: Oh
3: really? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know you have to move to Saskatchewan to yeah, to I
9: do. do
3: that,
1: right? Okay, to yeah. so let you know. <laughs> Why do you have to get an, a
0: bachelor in agriculture to go into um, veterinary?
9: You just need a bachelor of science, but um, I've toured the facility and the faculty of agriculture and food sciences, um, and there's also a program you can specialize in animal systems, and the courses seemed really cool, and it's just um, what I wanted to do. Yeah.
0: Well, good. Uh, you, well, we can see you're, you're literally bouncing with excitement here. Uh, so that's cool. I remember what it was like to be young and excited about the future. <laughs> that's a really desolate thing to say, isn't it? It, it really is. <laughs> but it's, 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 this is why we talk to young people like you, like Greg pointed out. Uh, it is a, a, a thing that every generation does where we look down upon the other generation, but here's a hint that we do that because we're just mad that we're getting old. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the younger generation. And we have, uh, over the last year, we've interviewed a lot of young people who are doing things that I think
1: Is it safe to say we're seeing things from this generation that we've maybe never quite seen before? I believe so, and maybe it's just because I had my blinders on and had my focus and the things that were important to me when I was younger. Maybe they were going on all around me, but I think I was pretty aware, even in high school and in university, there were causes. There was always this cause and that cause, but I think there's a, a vast... Um, understanding what's going on not only in our own backyard but around the world and students are being very active. And I think WE Day has had a a role in that. Uh, I know you were talking about me to we and as I say that we run out of time but maybe we can visit with you again sometime.
9: Okay, that sounds good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Haley Jenkins
0: from Thompson won a Manitoba Teacher Society Young Humanitarian Award for the the endless work that she does, including raising thousands of
1: dollars to build schools in Ghana and Sierra Leone. To say it's been a difficult week for the folks of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, be a dramatic understatement. The entire country is feeling the pain of the community of 6,000 people in northern Saskatchewan. Yesterday, thousands upon thousands of Canadians wore jerseys to work and to school to show support for... The passing, the death of Humboldt Broncos and the folks in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. People all over the world have been leaving hockey sticks outside on their front porch for, for the boys and for Dana in memoriam of the 16 people lost in this tragedy a week ago this afternoon. Over the past week, we've been bringing you stories from Saskatchewan. And Brett, it's not easy to approach police officials, witnesses, family of victims, to request an update or even ask for the privilege to help share the story of a loved one. Our Global
0: Winnipeg colleague Brittany Greenslade was dispatched to Humboldt to cover the story. Yesterday, she told Richard and Julie on the news on 680 CJOB about getting the call and heading west last Friday night.
8: Yeah, about 10.30 or so Friday nights, and um, we weren't really sure what the situation was at that point. Um, We knew there'd been a crash. We knew it was a team uh, bus that was carrying a number of young hockey players. Um, We weren't sure of the severity of the crash. We weren't sure um, what we were going to be walking into when we arrived in Humboldt on Saturday.
1: You drive out there and you start to learn more of what you're facing, right?
8: Yeah, as we're sitting in the car driving, uh, we left early, early Saturday morning, um, keeping an eye on Twitter and, and with our colleagues across the country as we're starting to learn more and that's when we saw um, 14 dead at that point, and your heart just sinks. It's a situation that you hope for the best, um, knowing that quite possibly you're going to be walking into what could have been 29 people dead. We, we didn't know at that point. Um, we hadn't even seen pictures from the crash site for many of us at that point as we're driving in and and you start seeing the tweets and you start seeing the information coming out from the RCMP and then you start mentally preparing yourself for what you're going to be uh, going into in that town knowing 6,000 people knowing um, many of them live in that well they all live in that town but that some of them are from that town Uh, four four of the players were from there Um, and then also just knowing that community and knowing the devastation that you're going to be walking into driving into and really the the media frenzy that is going to follow
1: one of the gifts in my mind of this profession is getting to meet new people hearing amazing stories and to learn about new places small towns on the prairies sometimes seem worlds apart from the big cities of Canada.
0: Brittany tries to put into perspective what the Broncos mean to Humboldt.
8: One of the guys said it so perfectly. He said, we don't have an NHL team. This is our NHL team. This is our team. This is our Jets. This is our Blackhawks. This is our Canucks. These are those boys. Um, so many of them that had had promising futures, possible future NHL players. Um, and like you said, some of these hospitals, much smaller hospitals, I think any of us could relate to this happening in, in rural Manitoba. Um, we've talked about it for the past few days, how many players across the country get on those buses every single day and make those treks.
1: The scope and the impact of this story, I think, has taken many by surprise. The GoFundMe initiative has eclipsed $10 million. And when the cameras and the microphones are off, we live we live this every day, I think, Brett, uh, we realize that sometimes the conversations that we have, the informations that we've gathered and and and, cha- and shared with listeners and in the TV world, viewers, a connection has been made between the interviewer and the interviewee. I'm thinking back to our experience with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers during CFL week. We had quite a connection with Adarius Bowman that went beyond... The fact that there was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber in studio with the radio rights holder, CJOB. We made a real connection with Adarius on a a couple of different topics.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, We were talking about race relations in the United States and then the difference uh, of being there versus being here in Canada. And uh, you could tell that he felt blessed to be here. He was happy that his child is born in Canada. And, uh, I think he was, he just seemed genuinely happy to be here and happy to talk about it. He was yeah. quite, uh, quite Frank in that conversation. So, yeah,
1: yeah. it was, uh, it was, it was a privilege and a gift to us. And, and in return, I think it was a gift to him that he was able to share that story. Brittany shared one of her similar experiences, one of many she had in Humboldt.
8: It's one of the scorekeepers. Um, he, he score for that team as a volunteer for, eight years. He's also a former billet family. And we were sitting in the hallway the one day talking and just sharing experiences and getting to know each other. And I asked him a bit about, you know, some of his experiences as a billet. And he just broke down, tears streaming down his face. We're talking like six foot two guy, um, breaking down in tears. And we just looked at each other and he said, can I give you a hug? And I just lost it. (laughs) I mean, we we deal with these things every single day, obviously not of this magnitude. You do your best to be as composed as you can while being as compassionate as you can to these people um, and these families and and your interview subjects. Um, and, you know, it's usually when you get home or when you have that ex- time to, to sit by yourself where it really sinks in, and, and I think we all have those experiences where you have a little cry yourself, um, but everyone's so vulnerable and it's so raw, and that was one for me and then another watching the vigil when we saw um nick schumlansky at the vigil one of the survivors of the crash and uh that that was another one
1: tyler bieber the team broadcaster was laid to rest yesterday our sports director, Kelly Moore, is in studio with us. Not a bad night for Vander Kane. Last night, Kelly, two goals in his first ever NHL playoff game. The Jets, of course, facing off against the Wild at 6.30 tonight downtown. Kelly, I have
5: a confession to make. Sure. What's your confession? I'm I'm Father Kelly Moore, and I'm listening. Well, we brought you in here under false pretenses. Uh-oh.
1: We told you we were going to talk about the Jets and the NHL playoffs. But... Um, I know what happened a week ago this afternoon has hit you very hard, and part of that is because of your life in, in broadcasting as a part of Western Hockey League coverage, and yesterday Tyler Beaver was laid to rest, and an old friend of ours here at 680 CJOB, Les Lazarek, is on the phone.
5: Hey, Les, how are you? Kelly, I'm great. Greg, good morning.
1: Good morning, and uh, Brett McGary's here with us as well, Lester, so Hi, Brent. we really appreciate you taking some time. Your tweet caught my attention about 21 hours ago, and uh, I don't like to read people's work back to them, but I'm going to do it in this case. One other thing yeah. I feel as I sit and look at Tyler Bieber's spot in the 107.5 Bolt FM broadcast booth is I want to honor Tyler's memory by calling a Humboldt-Broncos game on Bolt FM for free. No talent fee, no gas money, no meal money. I don't care where the game is, and it continues in a second tweet. There are 58 regular season games in 2018-19, and I hope 57 other broadcasters step up and do the same in Tyler Bieber's memory, especially the former Humboldt-Broncos broadcasters, Brian Munns, Clark Stork, and Braden Crowe, who is now the voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings. And you it wasn't very long that you posted that, and the gentleman sitting across from Brett and I uh, electronically put up his hand. To no one's surprise.
11: No, absolutely. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at some of the people that did. I am surprised at how many people and who some of the people are that came forward and offered to do this likewise. Uh, This has been way, way, way beyond my expectations and I'm overwhelmed and humbled by the response that this has received. This has gone uh, viral, obviously. It is something that uh, has has encompassed the entire nation and even into the United States. So, As I say, it's very humbling to have received this kind of response, but it just shows what the fraternity of sports broadcasters are it doesn't have to be hockey it doesn't have to be the saskatchewan junior hockey league it just has to be people who have been through what the humboldt broncos went through and uh, the most extreme of the negative unfortunately but everybody knows what the life is like traveling around on a bus with a team as a broadcaster the passion you have to have for it and the ability to uh, to separate and, and find a way to make it go on a net, on a day to day basis, and um, yeah, the response has been incredible.
5: Yeah, I, uh, it was kind of interesting last uh, I was watching as as the day went on. And, and uh, I'm not going to mention the names because uh, you can, if you'd like, it's out there. But, uh, yeah, the the quality of the people, and uh, you don't have to be uh, a Major League broadcaster to be of that quality. I, I just love the way uh, that the groundswell of support uh, developed over the course of the day, and it really was. I thought, you know, maybe in two or three days or whatever, you might have uh, enough to cobble up a group of 10, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, uh, the, the the reach of this and the and the way it's hitting all of us, Les, I think uh, was very evident in the campaign that you started. And good on you, my friend, uh, for uh, for you. being the guy to initiate that. Uh, that uh, uh, that that tells people all they need to know about Les Lazaric.
11: Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say, Kelly. Uh, but the the job is not done. This is only an idea, and the response makes me go on to the next point, though. I have to go out now and contact Brian Cush, the general manager of Bolt FM in Humboldt, Bill Chow, the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, as well as Kevin Geringer, the president of the Humboldt Broncos, and say, men, can we put this together? Can we make this happen? Because I've got so many people, we could probably do a play-by-play person per period of the games as it stands right now. Uh, There are a lot of people who have admitted that they don't have any previous experience but want to be involved. And you know what? I think that's what it's all about is wanting to be involved and I'm thankful that so many people want to be involved, want to honor the memory of Tyler Bieber. So um, that's the next step now is to get in touch with all of these people, get them together, let's sit down, and maybe let's make something really good out of it by somehow finding a way to raise additional funds for the victims and maybe even for the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. as Everybody knows, I think, they should know, that junior hockey has a tough goal of it nowadays trying to make money and trying to survive and the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is one of those leagues that is just hanging on by the bearers, uh, by the smallest margin so if we can find some way to make a fundraiser out of this then I think we might be able to help out in a lot more ways in addition to honoring the memory of Tyler Beaver.
0: Well and actually uh, maybe Kelly when you go to do this uh, I don't just to suggest here because Unfortunately, another uh, loss in the crash was Brody Hines, so the young man who did the stats at the home games. Uh, our very own Christian O'Mel has proven himself uh, quite gifted with the stats as well as play-by-play.
5: Oh yeah, there's. Uh, I, I was talking with former Rough Rider uh, play-by-play voice Jeff Courier, and uh, yeah, there there are a number of broadcasters. And unless and if you need any behind-the-scenes work in uh, making some phone calls, uh, you know, once it's the appropriate time. Uh, uh, you know that I will uh, certainly uh, get it as involved as you want me to.
11: Absolutely, I appreciate that, Kelly. You know I'm going to reach out to you and uh, and thank you so much for that offer. Uh, it, it it again it humbles me, and, and and fills my my heart with joy that that happens.
1: Les Lazarek is the play-by-play voice of the Saskatoon Blades, a longtime voice here on 680
5: CJOB, Kelly. Yeah, Les was uh, Les left just before I got here. But uh, Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to admire his work and and talk to colleagues in the Western Hockey League about uh, the great job that uh, that Les is doing. uh, It it was funny after uh, this really started to take off. I thought, boy, I'm gonna. uh, Even last night when I was watching the games, I was starting to practice my play-by-play again. (laughs) I (laughs) want to make sure (laughs) if Les calls, I'm ready. I'm practicing, Coach. I'll let you know. I'm already. I'm already skating those blue lines. I'm. uh, uh, I'm reaching for the bucket at the end of each. uh, but I'm going hard.
11: I'm putting you in, coach. No two ways about that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Les, thank you for this. Thanks for this initiative. And uh,
1: thank you, as always, uh, for being so kind and generous with your time with us here at the alma mater here at 680 CJOB. It's always an honor to speak with you.
11: Not a problem. Thank you so much for
1: having me you can follow Les Lazarek on Twitter at Blades Voice. Uh, he was a staple here. Uh, hockey and football coverage for years here on 680 CJB. Les Lazarek, an outstanding initiative and uh, Kelly, sorry for sideswiping you with this. No. Uh, just our way of saying thank you and to give you
5: a radio hug for everything you've been going through this week because uh, I know it's been a tough one for you. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't something that I, I was going to talk about publicly because I know, you know uh, this just started yesterday and who knows where it's going to go, but uh, uh, so I guess all that prep I did on the <laughs> on the Jets, the one we'll save for uh, for next week. Yeah, I you? apologize, Kelly. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> As
5: you were, friend.
1: You got her. 6.30 tonight. Jets Wild face off downtown. 10 o'clock this morning. Donald will be closed and uh, I guess at 4 o'clock you can head down. Four screens now. Two blocks. We have yet to come up with the perfect name for the street party honoring the Winnipeg Jets but we will we will make that happen before the next playoff game. <laughs> I promise we will have a creative moniker. Keep your suggestions coming at 204-780-6868. Of course, Wednesday night, the Winnipeg Jets 2.01 won their very first playoff game as a franchise, not only as the Winnipeg Jets, but also as the Atlanta Thrashers. It was the first home playoff win for a Winnipeg hockey team in the National Hockey League in in 22 years. Yeah. So um, with the Jets holding home ice advantage, you could be forgiven if there was a sense of pressure on the home team and on the fans. Uh, uh, An animal on the back a monkey so to speak and to uh, talk to us we've uh, well we've called on one a, a really good friend of 680 CJOB
0: That's right sports psychologist Adrian Leslie Tugood Adrian thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB
3: Hey my pleasure thanks for uh, thanks for giving me a call
0: well, so we had uh, Greg was uh, watched the game and he said uh, that the 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 team seemed a little tentative. We heard from people from listeners saying the fans were really quiet. I think at one point the broadcaster described the fans as a cloister, which apparently is a quiet area of a monastery, <laughs> which must mean it's really quiet
3: yeah that does sound pretty quiet (laughs) so uh, maybe all the friends are like meditating or something i don't know
0: so i guess maybe just talk us a little bit about why does the how do we end up with these monkeys on our back why do we because we put them there right
3: well yeah i think that um obviously it's you know how you think and feel about things but i think something that's really Uh, good to consider is I think that the fans and the athletes are are in two different places. First of all, it's every one of those athletes' dreams to play in an environment like that, you know, to play with fans that care that much. When I looked at the social media during the day and I saw all the people outside the the rink at the yet-to-be-named party, you know, the fans are pumped about it but nervous and they're not the ones on the ice. The thing we have to remember about the players is – you know, they may appear to be a bit, a bit tentative or tight, but all these players have been through this in other contexts, right? They've all gone through the junior hockey league. The you know, when they've been young, they've been in these situations. So they're professional athletes at this point. So you know, they they know how to be in these situations. They're they're prepared. They're they're excited to get out there, um, and as well, a lot of professional athletes now have. You know, everyone's done a ton with their physical game, but a lot of athletes have done a lot with their mental game too. And so, a lot of those athletes, you know, you mentioned it's like a monastery in there. You know, they're they love when the fans are engaged, but they're not going to depend on it. And they know how they need to perform, how they need to feel, and they're going to recognize what they need to generate amongst the team and amongst themselves. So, I think that for the uh, for the fans who have no control over making on it, you know, it happened on the ice, and they're always thinking about. Um, those situations, and we haven't won in 22 years, you know, that might cross the, the player's mind at some point. But then they're going to get back and think about what they need to execute on the ice and what they need to do. And so they're probably in a bit of a different place than the fans who are sitting there watching it happen. They're, and, they're ready to make it happen.
1: And and I agree. We had Dave Ellett in the studio uh, on, on Wednesday morning, former Jet, and he said, Dad, eh, that's more of a media thing, except the media thing becomes <laughs> a player thing if they end up losing that game and now the franchise is 0-9 in playoff yeah. games and the media is now asking the players if that's creeping in. So, you know, it, genuinely, allowed the franchise, the fans and the players to turn the page on this whole winless thing and I think there were four levels of excitement when the Jets first came out when they scored the first goal when Minnesota went up 2-1 to when it was as quiet as this cloister and then when Joe Morrow scored the eventual game winning goal and at the end of the game it was on a completely different level and I believe you'll hear a whole other level of noise in that building tonight because that monkey. He is literally off the back of the franchise, not the players themselves.
3: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I, I think they're going to come out pretty strong and, you know, nothing's going to hold them back tonight. I think they're going to play really freely and have a lot of fun. But again, when you mention those different moments, you're exactly right. And each of those players has probably been in those moments um, already, you know, and that's where we talk about in sport that they have... You know, they've had those experiences and those are the foundation they're standing upon in those moments. So they've been in a game where they've been the number one seed, they've won their league and now they're expected to, you know, do well in the playoffs and, you know, they're down 2-1 and then they've had to like fight to battle back. And I think as well in sport, like anything, you know, it was a big win and it was a close game and... You know, there's part of that they made happen, and part of that that you know you have to you're, there's lots you can't control too, and it, it went their way, which is great. And now you know it's going to be a whole different series. I remember once I was at the Olympic Games, and uh, someone who was working with one of our our national teams, um, and this team went on to win a gold medal at those games, and. Uh, I remember the person working with them said, you know, sometimes things align and sometimes they don't. And you know, and they, they you know, and it it takes both skill and luck and and things out of your control to make you know, to make it happen as well and um you know, I think that's at all levels of sports. So, you know, I'm really happy for them that it that it went their way. And I think that now they're in a really great position to have a great run. So I think it's awesome.
0: Sports psychologist, Adrian Leslie, too good as our guest. We only have about 45 seconds left, but I'm just curious. Like when I go golfing more often than not, I stand over the ball and think, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. So then naturally <laughs> I miss. Uh, do elite yeah. athletes at professional levels or even university levels, do they ever go through that same kind of thing where they, where they say to themselves, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up.
3: You know, they can. And I think every athlete's different. And I think that the key for the, uh, for the athletes is to recognize, you know, I always say manage your humanity and I think I'm moving more towards embrace your humanity, but it's really about managing your human skills and, You know, the ones who are most self-aware and honest about how they react and when it gets in the way, and uh, they've developed some strategies so that they can be who they want in those moments, or the guys are going to have a lot of success and and be pretty pretty resilient performers. Um, We definitely know that thinking about what you don't want to do isn't always helpful.
0: (laughs) No offense offense or anything. No, no, Um, I I do it to myself.
3: Um, And so, you know, I think the key is to recognize when, you know, when they're thinking that stuff that's not so helpful, and, you know, to have a plan in place for what they do want to sh- shift their attention to. And, um, you know, the a lot of athletes nowadays have done exactly that. You know, they're, they're invested in the physical game, but they also recognize the mental game. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It, it really is about um, being that resilient performer and the person you want to be in the critical moment. So I can guarantee that every guy that's stepping onto the ice tonight has thought a lot about, you know, how they want to play, who they want to be, what situations might rattle them. And uh, you know how they're going to respond and come back even stronger after those things happen.
0: Sports psychologist Adrian Leslie Tuga joining us talking about the monkey off the back of the Winnipeg Jets franchise.
1: Well, maybe the Stanley Cup will just come to Winnipeg just directly. Who knows what will happen in this year's playoffs. That is the voice of one-time Winnipeg Jet, Eddie Olchuk, one of his most famous quotes, maybe the most famous quote uh, as his time of parts of five seasons here with the Jets. Eddie Olchuk joins us now from Connecticut. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is always ours. Uh, such a, such great memories, and uh, you were one of those guys right at the top of the list that that talks about their time in Winnipeg with such great fondness. And uh, maybe you do us the honor of uh, sharing us, uh, sharing with us uh, some of your Winnipeg memories and and why it's uh, remains a special place to you.
10: Well, I mean, I think it's the people in the peg. Uh, you know, we became a part of the fabric. We became entrenched in the community. We lived there. You know, pretty much all year round for the two different stints I had in Winnipeg, and uh, I always tell people, I mean, it was one of the best places that I ever played. And uh, when you have uh, the support that you do for the Jets, uh, not only from the great fan base, but from you know the community and the, the province, and you know the you know the people that are in, uh, are right in the middle of the organization, from ownership to people working in, you know, tickets and marketing and just, you know, the staffs that you become close with, it just uh, becomes a part of your, you know, your everyday life, and you know, we had a tremendous time in, in Winnipeg and uh, still have some great friends there and and stay in contact with, and, you know, I've made a couple of appearances back in the peg over the course of the last, uh, you know, five, six years, which has been great, obviously playing in the you know the alumni game, the old timers game. You know, I guess it's almost a year and a half or two years ago coming up and uh, getting back to Cinnaboya Downs and seeing my buddy Darren Dunn, Double D there, and spending some time with him and and staying in contact. Uh, you know, with the, obviously the new ownership group with uh, with Mark Chipman and and knowing Chevy and knowing Zinger and uh, you know knowing the the coaching staff and it's uh, it's always great to. Uh, to look back and to hear some of those clips and to see the whiteouts back in the, in the day. And it brings back a lot of memories for, for myself and my family. And, uh, it's always, it's always great to get back to the peg. It's always great to be on the radio there and, uh, looking forward to getting back there and hopefully in my, job that I have now as a broadcaster down here in the States is to get an opportunity to get back there and to to work a playoff game and uh, that would certainly be a, a great thrill for me.
1: Well, We would love that uh, working the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh series Sunday afternoon game on NBC if you want to catch them and uh, Eddie Olchuk, uh, the Jets and the Wild facing off for game two tonight there was a little bit of, as for as much excitement as there was in the building on Wednesday night, there was a little bit of trepidation in the building, it went fairly quiet after Minnesota took a 2-1 lead early in the third period but Patrick Laine tied it up pretty quickly after that and we were just talking in our, our previous half hour about how maybe the collective monkey off the backs of not only the fans but this franchise is now gone and gone for good and, and maybe we'll see a whole other level of noise and excitement in that building tonight. It's, it's hard to imagine it could get any louder.
10: Yeah, it certainly seemed that way watching on uh, – I'm doing studio right now in, in Stanford, Connecticut, as you guys mentioned, for, for NBC and NBCSN for a couple of days until I head out to Philly, like you said. And, you know, I could just imagine Big Buff Dustin Bufflin saying when it was 2-1, to while just saying, folks, don't worry, we're paid professionals, we got this. And you're right, Paul Stastny makes a beautiful play through the middle of the ice and uh, a guy that I haven't seen shoot the puck like that since the days of Brett Hall. Uh, Patrick Liney goes ahead and ties the game up So yeah, it was a gut-check game There, There's no doubt about it And look, it was a physical game And I think that certainly plays into the hands of The Winnipeg Jets uh, You know, the Minnesota And I know both these teams extremely well From, from doing my, uh, my other job With the Chicago Blackhawks Doing their games on local television So I have a pretty good feel for the Central Division And, you know, for Minnesota You know, I think they have to pick their spots To be physical against the Jets I think they there was a stretch there where they tried to match them hit for hit and that's fine. But when you're not conditioned uh to play that way, it can take its toll, uh, whether it's in, in game one or that game or in a series and I think for Minnesota's, you know, they they need to pick their spots. And for the Jets, they're conditioned to do that. I mean you got a you got a big heavy team there and and, and they're conditioned to play that way and I thought as the game went on you know, for long stretches, you know, even for the one stretch there where, you know, Minnesota hung around there in a second period. You know, give give Hellebuck some credit. He made some good saves and, you know, some really good chances. And, you know, next thing you know, it's it's 2-1, to one, you know, early in the third. But Laine made the, uh, you know, made the big play, and, and uh, the rest is history. So, you yeah, know, you're going to have those swings in playoff hockey. You, you're going to see – momentum swings. And I think the biggest thing for people to understand is that, and especially with the way that the rules are now than they were, you know, maybe back, you know, 10, 15 years ago is that when you get these momentum swings, you know, what, what do you get? You know, when you're the team that has the momentum, what do you do with it? Are you able to cash in? You've, if you've watched these playoffs so far, there's been opportunities for teams to go ahead and, and, and stop the momentum and then get it on their side. Think about even even though the, the Pittsburgh Philadelphia game was was seven nothing, Scott Lawton had a wide open net at one nothing for the Penguins forward uh, for the for Philadelphia Flyers and he wasn't able to put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, you know, last night one one game Boston Toronto, Mitch Marner has an incredible chance on his backhand. You know, empty net and he puts it back out the other way and next thing you know it's a five one game and. Uh, Boston wins game one. So you just don't know when those momentum swings are going to happen. So when you have it, what do you do with it? And as I alluded to, when you don't have it, yeah, people think, well, we got to get the momentum on our side. Well, first off, you have to stop the momentum on the other side. What is that? Missed opportunity, goalie making a save, somebody making a great defensive play, maybe it's a big hit. So you're going to see these swings, and you know you, you better get your rest during the day for these games because it, it, is, uh, it, is, it is major momentum swings night in and night out in National Hockey League playoffs, and I think Jet fans saw a little bit of that in game one.
0: And before we let you go here I wanted to ask you uh it's Brett McGarry here by the way one of the sports that my dad uh one of the sporting events my dad looks forward to the most in the year is the Kentucky Derby. We understand that you are not just a fan of thoroughbred horse racing but uh, quite the expert.
10: Yeah well I I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far but uh, I'm lucky enough to be a part of uh our nbc uh, horse racing uh, team coverage and i've been uh, to the, I've been doing horse racing here for the last uh, i guess almost four years coming up in in june it's always been a passion of mine uh, I actually got my start in television in horse racing back in uh, the fall of ninety five where we had a work stoppage in the National Hockey League, and I was living in New York playing for the Rangers in the Meadowlands Racetrack in East Rutherford, New Jersey. knew I, you know, knew I was a big horse racing guy, and they were Ranger fans. and They said, "Well, you know, why don't you come out to the track and uh, and pick some horses and be our in-house handicapper?" And, and That's actually how I got my start in television. and Some, uh, you know, twenty you know twenty years later. I kind of came full circle and got my opportunity from my boss Sam Flood at NBC and gave me a chance and uh, had a couple of good days and picked a couple of winners and you know the so-called rest is history. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to the first Saturday in May getting down the Churchill Downs. So right now there's no better time, uh, uh, no better time of year in in my life uh, than uh, pucks and ponies, hockey and horses, and I'm looking forward to the playoff hockey and. Looking forward to getting down at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May.
1: Well, talking about career transitions, I made one from the service industry into sales, and then eventually into radio. And uh, my uh, friends and alumni from the Olive Garden on Portage Avenue and St James Street <laughs> will be angry if I don't uh, mention how much time you used to spend with us back uh-huh. in the day, uh, Eddie. So a big shout out from all the uh, Olive Garden Thank alumni you. from Thank your first you. uh, turn in Winnipeg from '90 uh, 90 to '93 and. Uh, the best, the highlight of the year for me in the NHL this year was when you and Pat Foley were on the air and you announced that you were cancer-free. Uh, my eyes uh, well up with tears every time I see the clip. You were an uh, important important guy in this town, and uh, we're so glad that you're healthy, my friend.
10: Well, that's very nice of you guys, and I, I would be remiss if I did not thank the Winnipeg Jets organization. Like I said, I have many friends there that that checked up on me, and the Jets were one of those teams that uh, went way way beyond the call of duty by just sending a text, uh, you know, a quick phone call, and again, I mean, I talk about Zinger, Craig Heisinger, my former trainer with the Jets for many years now, obviously, assistant GM for the Jets, that, you know, Zinger texts me all the time, and just, you know, the words of encouragement, like I said, Chevy and, and Mark Chipman, and, and, and Mo as well, Paul Maurice and his coaching staff there uh Todd Woodcroft and Jamie Compon would would you know shoot those texts out to me and it just it, it meant the world to me and and anybody that's out there fighting you know this horrible disease and cancer or any other fight uh it, it and people that know of people that are going through it it's it's really important to. To, to go ahead and shoot a text or make a phone call. And it makes the world a difference when you're fighting something like this because there were times when, uh, you know, I just wanted to give up because of going through the chemo and the, and in uh, and, in and the battle that I was going through. But uh, I just want to thank the Winnipeg Jets and, and look, I got a lot of cards and a lot of notes from uh, a lot of Winnipeg Jet fans as well. So I'd like to thank them and uh, look forward to, getting back to Winnipeg at some point here in the very near future. And, again, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always great to uh, have a tie to the great city of Winnipeg, and I wish them nothing but the best of luck. And uh, I'll be working tonight, but I'll be uh, tuned in, and uh, you know, I'll have a uh, a strong fist uh, going for the Winnipeg Jets when they take on the Minnesota Wild in Game 2
1: tonight. He's Eddie O. Eddie O. Chuck, thanks for this, and uh, we'll uh, see you Not in the, the finals, finals to my friend. Cheers for hey, Hall of good. Fame, good. finally, okay. this thanks. weekend, Bon Jovi going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they're actually having the uh, induction ceremony in Cleveland. Usually they do it in New York, so Cleveland, the home of rock and roll getting its due. Uh, you know what else is due? Taxes. Yeah, well, we just heard the song Money Talks by AC/DC. Yeah, well, what does that mean? One of our five most favorite guests in the studio with us. We can't say where you fall on the top five list, Kelly Keene, <laughs> but uh, you're in that top I'll five. I'll take
12: it. I'll take it. Always great to see a friend. You guys, too. Thanks for having me. Happy Friday the 13th, right? Oh,
0: oh no. It's already been said on the show today.
12: Has it?
1: Tristan said it. Okay, all right, fine. It's okay. Oh. I'm <laughs> teasing you. I've been trying I've been trying to ignore it. Right? The Jets are playing like the, tonight. Oh, yeah, you know? No, but
12: it's the best day. You just gotta Why? like Why? Yeah, Why? I don't Why? know. I always think for me it's a lucky day. Really? Yeah, totally. I always have like the best days on the thirteenth. Friday. Okay. It's a good, good day. It's a good day. I wore my white boots just for you, gentlemen, just yeah. for the
0: Jets. It's a whiteout party right here. Love it. We're
12: starting early. Starting early. They are
0: <laughs> very nice boots.
12: Thank okay. you for wearing them. That's yeah. Awesome. We approve. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so let's get
1: down to business. As the uh, the gentleman used to sit in Brett's chair said once upon a time Peter Warren, let's get right down to business. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, tax return deadline is looming with uh, April 30th. Mhm. Mhm. You might be thinking you <laughs> need to get maybe a <laughs> yeah. more efficient system, streamlining your records, and I mean there are so many amazing online tools and yeah. web-based tools or just software to help you with this stuff. Why are we afraid of why are we afraid of getting organized on that front?
12: I think a lot of people don't know how, they don't know what they can throw away, they don't know what to do. It's kind of, I think it's just about spring and people want to do some cleaning maybe this weekend. And you're going to come across all of this stuff not knowing what to do. So here's what I want you to do is look for things like, do you know where your passport is? Do you know where your kid's passport is? Uh, Make sure that you have those locked up within your home. Don't just have them laying around. Don't have your RESP um, account application laying around for the kids. Here's why. It has their sin on it. It has their date of birth on it. It has so many key components to um, their identity. And we've talked about child identity theft before. So if you don't do it for yourself, at least do it for your kids. Go through, know where these documents are. As you said, it's tax time coming up. And so many sensitive documents coming in and out of your home, T4s, T5s, this thing, that thing with your sin on it, um, things coming in. Know where your mail is. Know when it should be coming in. In. Make sure identity thieves aren't diverting it somewhere else. I know this sounds like a big job. Uh, hopefully you have some pros on your side. You've got a certified financial planner, someone who's helping you with all of this. If you don't, that's okay. Just vow to spend, you know, maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes uh, a day over the next week and just get these documents cleaned up and see if there's anything missing. See if there's anything that, um, you know, you need to get organized, whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I guess, probably look at this time of year as a time to procrastinate. I'm always in the mm-hmm. reverse. I'm in a rush. I just go to H&R Block to get it done because yeah. I want that money. I want that <laughs> refund. Uh, but another thing that people should be doing right now is checking their credit score.
12: Yes, yes, you're right. We're always rushing, and we forget that um, we've got to slow down, especially when it's when it's time to apply for something like getting a new vehicle, getting a mortgage, you do not want to then find out that your score is not what it should be because maybe innocently enough, there's something sitting on there. I can't tell you how many people have an old cable bill, an old cell phone bill, an old something for 20 bucks or 50 bucks that they thought was paid off that then went into collections. Then they go, they're sitting with their spouse or significant other, happily getting, uh, you know, trying to apply for something and they get declined. Uh, Bank of Montreal said that recently in a survey over 50% of Canadians have never checked their credit score. So uh, it's not a surprise to me. The first time you check it, you want to make sure there aren't any big errors on there. You want to see, don't don't freak out if you check it, and you have a horrible score. Okay, so for better or for worse, your score every month is changing. It's never the same uh, based on your good or bad things that you're doing each month. So where can you get your credit report? You can get it for free from Equifax or TransUnion. These are the two credit reporting agencies in Canada Only problem I caution you and your listeners, if you try to get it for free, you have to send so much stuff in the mail to prove that it's you. If you're in Toronto, you can just walk over to Equifax, plop them your your driver's license and show that it's you. But if you're like the rest of us that aren't in a big, big city where they've got an office, you've got to mail off all the sensitive information, then I'm going to say you should send that registered mail by the time you've done all of that. You've paid so much, you might as well just go online and pay them and Mm. just get your report. I don't like that you have to do that, but that's Mm -hmm. the deal. The very first time you check your score, don't do this when you're in a rush. Don't do this at work. Don't do this with other ears hearing because it's hard to get your score the first time if you do it online. So it should be. You don't want somebody, you know, going in and getting your personal information Once you have that all done, uh, you get a user and a password, and you're fine. You're fine to go. But for the first time, it can be incredibly frustrating. It can take like half an hour for you to call in. Hey, you had this bill in 1982. What was it? And you're like, I don't remember what it was. So um, be prepared for that. But it's well worth it because... We are being dinged more and more as Canadians for having a poor credit score, whether you realize it or not, for your home and auto policy. I changed mine recently, and I don't ever remember giving permission to my old carrier Mm -hmm. to check my report, but apparently they were. Apparently, my premium was based on my credit worthiness. So and and I don't know but I know in the US a lot of employers check credit reports you know rent uh, if you're renting and things of that sort so it's kind of the new pariah of our society if you don't have decent credit Yeah,
1: If you get in a car accident and you have private insurance, which we don't have in Manitoba, one of the first thing the adjusters do is check your credit score. Really? To find out how desperate you might be to Mm. make a settlement.
12: Exactly. And we
1: spoke about this the last time you were here with negotiating your mortgage rates. Mm -hmm. If you're in that position that you described where you're unsure of how fit you are... To be a customer, I said to you, a lot of people are just happy to get approved. Mm -hmm. And so then you don't negotiate. If you know your credit score ahead of time, then you know that you are a valuable customer and you can say, hold on, uh, you can do better than that for me because I'm worthy of you doing better than that for me.
12: Good for you for saying that. Thank you. You're right. And it does. It gives you that, like, once you're empowered with the information to know that now you're still a worthy person, even if your score is bad. You're just a more worthy customer if your score is really good. Um, But don't despair. If it's not good, in six months to a year, there are things that you can do to increase it. And you could innocently be doing things to knock it down every month. Like what? What are some of those things? Exactly. So, for example... Not naming names to name them, just to name them. You've got, let's say, a Royal Bank visa and you are paying with your Royal Bank account on the due date. No problem. You can flip that over. You're going to be fine. But if you've got a Royal Bank account paying a CIBC visa, if you pay that on the due date with online banking And you don't give it the three business days, you're going to be late and you're going to be late every single month. Okay, here's another thing that's going to pull your score down. You are applying for too many things at one time. You move and you get a new cell phone and a laptop and a third time you get declined because they think you're in trouble and you're seeking credit. Uh, if you have too much outstanding credit, so you've got all these credit cards, you've got zero balance, but you've just got too much.
1: Access to too much money. Access
12: to too much that you could run up. Uh, certainly having a department store credit card is a big no-no. Why? Because they're easier to approve for than a regular Visa, MasterCard, or American Express. Uh, they carry a 30% interest rate. So this <laughs> algorithm with Equifax and TransUnion things, well, who would... Who would ever want a product that had a 30% interest rate attached to it? So say no when you're at the department store and they say, hey, you can get 20% off right now uh, if you get the card. And and I, if you think you're clever, and a lot of people have written me across the country saying, well, I've applied for the card to get the discount, but I don't uh, activate it. You, if you've signed your name to it, it hits your credit score.
0: Kelly, I know you got to get out of here. Uh, we could talk to you for all day, but uh, so we always run out of time with you anyway. <laughs> always uh, fun. Kellykeen.com is the website. She is an award winning author, personal finance educator, and consumer advocate for the Financial Planning Standards Council, talking about financial spring cleaning. And uh, where can we follow you on social media?
12: Oh, at Kelly Keen. Uh, you can find me all over the place at that.
0: That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass Jerry and Shanelie Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB.